Hi, everybody. I'm Dixon. And I'm Jose. And welcome to the April 2022 episode of Southwest Side Stories. We've got a really interesting conversation today with somebody who is the project lead, his name's Mark, for uh, the Leclerc Courts Redevelopment Project, which is promising to be a big initiative here on the Southwest side. If folks are not familiar with Leclerc Courts, it was a uh, low rise public housing project along Cicero Avenue and immediately to the west, um, just off of the I-55 exit so if a lot of people are familiar with it, it may be because they drove past it on the way to Midway Airport. They're dropping somebody off, they're picking somebody up, and they're going past Leclerc Courts on the way to and from Midway. Um, but in addition to that, it was a tight-knit community that existed for decades. Um, Jose, you lived in the nearby vicinity of Leclerc Courts for a while. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, my family moved to the area around 2007, um, you know, down Cicero Avenue. Um, you know, we looked past 40 Sun Street, but to your point, you know, I was getting off I-55, and there was a clear courts, you know, all the, every time. Um, you know, the, 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 you know, the buildings um, came down in the early 2000s, like, um, like you said. And, uh, you know, my, my, my mom actually worked at Hearst Elementary, which was nearby, has since kind of been a hybrid charter school. And, um, you know, I'm just kind of really curious how the new development is going to be impacting the community there uh, once it gets going. Yeah, and we've seen um, the plans that the developers have put out there. They've had a couple of public meetings, um, and we'll get into that in the interview itself. But two main features, in addition to uh, the residential units that are going in, are a, a federally qualified health center and a grocery store. Um, and those have been sorely lacking in the community, specifically the community in the immediate vicinity of, of Leclerc Courts. Um, and as you mentioned, the buildings, you know, have been demolished for a while now. Um, so it is essentially empty space at this point. And the plans are to, you know, build up a community on that spot again. Yeah, I mean, you know, definitely a healthcare center amazingly needed in the area and uh you know it's really a little ironic um and great but also sad that um you know it's been a food desert for so long and now the it took um the public project housing to go down for a, a major uh, grocer to come in but i know that that grocer will be having an impact on the community that is still there and uh, attending first elementary so i'm really looking forward to hearing more about um, how the how where the developer is about these dynamics and how they're rectifying uh, Chicago's as a history. All right, so we are here with Mark Karincic, who is the project lead on the Leclerc Courts Redevelopment Project, which is an exciting project that is coming to the southwest side of Chicago. Um, Leclerc Courts was, of course, a public housing project that existed um, on Cicero Avenue, just south of I-55 and a little bit west of Cicero for many decades, uh, was demolished a little over a decade ago. And there is a redevelopment project uh, planned and in the works. So to start off, I wonder, can you describe the project? What is planned for the site of the old Leclerc Courts? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having us, Dixon. Um, you know, we're excited to be part of the program 
and also, you know, enjoy sharing what we're working on. Um, the overall project is a really comprehensive mixed use, mixed income redevelopment effort. Uh, might have to go back a little bit in time to give you a little uh, background, but um, in, I think it was 2018, the city, uh, the Chicago Housing Authority, which owns the land, issued an RFP and we were one of the respondents. And then ultimately in 2019, were awarded the redevelopment opportunity. Um, we've teamed up with another entity, the Habitat Company, which is a major housing redevelopment and developer in the Chicagoland area. And they're, 50, they're a 50 year old company. They've been around obviously a long time and they're throughout Chicago and the, and the Midwest. Um, so once we won the award, we really started, you know, digging in to figure out what we could do there. And the idea is to really kind of enhance the community, as you know, that it's been a disinvested area for a long time. And our focus is to create a mixed use, mixed income community over time. And if you think about, you know, if you think about all the things that define community, you know, there are, you know, we could debate that, right? It's been debated for generations, but from our perspective, there are a number of, number of things that are really, really important. One is housing, two is food, three is healthcare, and four is jobs. And that's what I think starts a sustainable and thriving community. And um, so we worked very hard with a number of community organizations in, in the Southwest side to try to come up with ideas. We had many of our own and then they've been enhanced over the last couple of years as we've talked to people. As of today, we plan somewhere between 650 and 700 units of multifamily mixed income housing. And that is a combination of CHA housing, uh, affordable units and market rate units. And they will be indistinguishable from one another uh, in terms of units. So a one bedroom unit will be a one bedroom unit regardless of who the tenant might be. Um, there'll be a mix of studio one and two bedrooms in our first phase. And in subsequent phases, there will be a mix of more family sized units, uh, to reflect the, the demographic of the environment and the neighborhood. And then we currently have, um, interest and we're negotiating a formal lease and we're actually doing architectural drawings for a 50,000 square foot federally qualified healthcare center at the corner of 44th and Cicero. That would be on the north corner of that location. And then just north of that, we have a 60,000 square foot full service grocer that we're out to lease with right now to work on that. We've been working with them for over a year. And the healthcare provider we've been working with literally since we put our RFP application in with the CHA. So our first phase will be 190 units of mixed income housing between 44th and 45th fronting Cicero, and then a full service grocer and a full service federally qualified healthcare provider on front, also fronting Cicero. So you described a couple of components there and, you know, all pretty important, obviously. I want to concentrate on the housing component for a moment. Sure. Um, because you mentioned a couple of terms that I think get thrown around. You know, you said the CHA housing, the affordable housing, and the I think it was the market rate housing. But you know, sometimes people hear those terms and are, are not exactly sure what they mean. So can you can you define those a little bit? 
Well, CHA housing is is obviously that it's public housing and it's you know people with CHA um, contracts that that and then because this was a CHA site and they had former residents on it, there are a number of right of return residents by law by federal law that have the right to move back to that location because they were displaced when CHA you know tore them down to start over again, <clears throat> and so there are a number of those units. Uh, the, the number we are required under our development agreement to build is 186 of those units out of a total of, let's say, 700-ish. So it's not a huge number. It's not going to be um, what it was at the time, which was 100% public housing. And then affordable housing is anywhere between 60% and 80% or 100% of area median income. So it's it's affordable housing under federal guidelines, and it's driven by tax credits uh, that are are issued by the, the federal government to help ease the housing shortages that we have throughout the country. And okay. then market rate is just that. It's your average everyday, go look for an apartment, and that's what you find. Another question I had, and I think this is something that's on the mind of a lot of people who think about public housing and the history of public housing is, you know, it gets built and it looks really good at the beginning and then is not maintained over time. That's just kind of the history of how, you know, public housing um, in the city and across the country um, has uh, not been maintained. So what is the maintenance plan in terms of making sure that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, um, these units are, are maintained and continue to be in good condition? The way the, the tax credit allocation and financing structures work, there are very stringent requirements for reserve requirements for building maintenance and upkeep. And that those requirements have changed over time as a result of what you just referred to. You know, we had issues. Um, you know, thinking, you know, you think about some of the uh, was it Henry Horner homes and obviously Cabrini Green and, and you know, obviously LeClaire Courts went, you know, had had significant deferred maintenance and other issues. So um, there have been significant changes. And on top of that, you know, building design, building envelope, construction techniques have changed dramatically since those units were built back in the 50s and 60s. So uh, and then on top of that, we have a, a housing partner in the Habitat Company, who, as I mentioned earlier, has been been doing it for 50 years, and they're very well regarded, and they have um, very rigorous maintenance and uh, improvement programs in place. So I mean, I that's I know that that's a concern. I'll be honest, that's the least of my concerns because I know. The regulations and the style of the way we operate and the way the Habitat company operates, we won't have that issue. Okay, so we talked about the housing itself, and you mentioned a couple of other you know, key components of the phase one of this project. Um, and one of those was the federally qualified health center. Um, okay. So just you know, off the bat, for those who don't know, what is a federally qualified health center? And what role will it play, both for residents who are moving into these new units and residents throughout the, the community? 
I'm not going to give you the exact formal definition of a federally qualified healthcare center, but I'm going to give you the the, the layman's version, which is my version. Um, they are entities that provide healthcare, and they can do it regardless of insurance or regardless of ability to pay, and they do it without any discrimination of gender or economic status or racial status. Um, the healthcare provider we're talking about has been in Chicago since the 80s. Uh, they're very well regarded and they're already known in the community. I can't announce them. I'm sorry, but and nor can I announce the grocer, but they're both high quality. Um, for the healthcare provider, they intend to provide, you know, prenatal through elder care. Um, they have the world they're looking at adding a dental component, which they already have in other locations. They are plant. We're planning a pharmacy on site. Um, there is also a partnership with another major hospital system that will add imaging so that if you need to get a CAT scan or, a, you know, some other imaging, you don't have to go all the way downtown to get it. You'll be able to get it in the neighborhood where healthcare is needed. Um, so we're really excited about the healthcare offering and, and what it's going to provide for the neighborhood, not just for, as you said, for new residents, but for the entire community. Yeah. And it's going to be at 44th and Cicero. Um, it'll be accessible via public transportation and driving. Um, and we're really excited and we're, we're knee deep in design drawings right now. I think one part that you mentioned there, uh, offering health services without regard to insurance status, and I know there are federally qualified health centers on the Southwest side that offer health services without regard to citizenship status as well. Um, and both of those are uh, critically important because there are a lot of people who do not have health insurance who have, or who have health insurance that has significant co-payments um, and, right. and gaps in it. Um, and there are people who are undocumented. so. Hearing that, you know, that's what federally qualified health centers do, and those are the services that are provided is, is I think, pretty crucial. Absolutely. Having access to health care through a healthcare facility is crucial for people's health, but having access to fresh food is also, you know, essential for people's health. So the grocery component, I wanted to ask about that as well, because you know, you mentioned that it was high. It was number one on people, a lot of people's lists. Um, and I live pretty close to the Pulaski exit on I-55. So uh, one exit away from Cicero, where the uh, old Leclerc Court site was. Um, and I can walk to Pete's Fresh Market um, and Aldi, and there's a Target that has a grocery uh, in it as well. Right. So you could see that one stop on the expressway, you know, you really have your your pick of of grocers, and I can go further south, and there's even more. Um, right. But you go over to Cicero, and there's there's not a whole lot. Um, there's not a grocer for I'd, I'd have to think really hard to think of where the closest is. So yeah. talk a little bit about the need for that and bringing that uh, as part of this project. Well, I mean, again, we looked at what makes a community, and we listened to the community as we talked to people, and you know that was the one thing they said we kind of have to leave our neighborhood area to go to get food. And, you know, so we really wanted to focus on that effort and trying to find a grocer that would be able to market to the community um, and be offer the, the goods and services and the, the selection 
that the community deserves. Um, you know, I mean, it's not really what this community deserves. It's what every community deserves. I mean, we all, everybody deserves quality, affordable groceries. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, you need to be able to have a selection and that's what we're, what we've put together. Yeah. And so we're excited. Um, the grocer is, is a, a regional player. They're not, you know, uh, a single person operation. They're a regional player. They're well-known. You'll recognize them immediately. Um, and I think you'll be pleased with what the offerings will be. You mentioned community engagement. Um, and I think that's, you know, a really crucial part of this as well. So there are existing communities that are nearby the old Leclerc court site. Um, there's some uh, a lot of single-family housing that's immediately to the south and west of Cicero. Um, there's the uh, Sleepy Hollow community, which is across Cicero to the east. Um, and there's the community around Bidham Park, which is south of 47th Street. So can you talk a little bit about you know, how you envision the project being integrated with those existing communities and what kind of outreach you did to people who are living in the immediate vicinity? Absolutely. Um, we started our community outreach formally, and I'm going to look at my cheat sheet, on May 30th of 2019. So here we are in April of 2022. Um, and we have been working with Alderman Rodriguez. Uh, well, first, let, let me start with this. There are, as you mentioned, a lot of different um, community groups and stakeholders here. Number one, Chicago Housing Authority, they own the land. And you know, we're we're a development partner with them and the and the Habitat Company. The Chicago Housing Authority has their own working group, and that is made up of Alderman Rodriguez. It's made up of right of return residents. It's made up of Joanne Williams from the Hearst organization because she's immediately adjacent and she is a former Leclerc Courts resident. Um, she's been in the neighborhood, I think, something like 40, 45 years. Um and so there's that. And then obviously you have mentioned Bidham Park, Archer Heights, Sleepy Hollow, the Hearst Organization, Garfield Ridge. And we have reached out to every one of those organizations in through one organization or another, whether it's through the Gateway of Midway, Gateway to Midway Committee, which then has many representatives from each of those groups as part of that. Um, or you know, the Garfield Ridge Chamber of Commerce, which not just ties into, you know, the businesses, but also, you know, the, the neighborhoods, the Hearst Community Organization. So we've really tried to be in the community and make sure that we're tapping all viewpoints. Um, you know, I mean, nobody's perfect, and I'm not going to say we have been, but, you know, from starting May of 2019, by my count right now, we're at 24 different community group meetings and impacts. We had one as recent as Tuesday night where we, AGC, the Academy for Global Citizenship, which you're aware of, is building a, a, a brand new charter school on land immediately west of where we are building. Um, it's part, it was for, part, excuse me, formerly part of the CHA site, but they sold off that piece to AGC. They had a job fair on Tuesday night in the neighborhood, and we were there participating in the hopes that if they're successful in bringing in local hires and starting apprenticeships, 
then since we're a little behind them in terms of getting started, once they finish there, they might be able to jump right into where we're at and continue on to build a career. And then we'll be doing the same kind of outreach from a job fair perspective um, as well. I mean, we'll probably be doing that. My guess is in the next 60 days, we'll start that process. So, um, and then, you know, then there's obviously, you know, opportunities to speak with folks like yourself. Um, so we want to be engaged in the community and we have on our Cabrera Capital website, we have a lot of information and a number of um, Zoom meetings we had during the, 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 the depth of the pandemic that were, you know, some were attended by 200 plus participant participants. Um, we've had multiple of those. Again, Alderman Rodriguez has been instrumental in trying to do that. We've done them in uh, Spanish as well as English. We've had some uh, directly translated on at the time and, or in others, we've had them translated separately with a separate, you know, Spanish speaking deck. Um, so we've, we've tried to be inclusive. Uh, again, I'm sure we can do better, but you know, to the extent we can, we wanna be engaged in the community. That's the only way we're gonna make this successful is if the community agrees with what we're trying to do and is a proponent of what we're trying to do. Leclerc Corps, the old site was demolished a little bit more than 10 years ago, but it stood for decades before that. There was a very close-knit community. So when you look back at the original Leclerc Corps housing project, what lessons do you take in terms of things that you wanna preserve that were done right or mistakes that you don't want to repeat? I think, you know, when you look at the history and you talk at the talk to the people who've lived there over the years, um, the, the fondness that remains for that community. Um, and if you go back and look at history, when this was originally occupied, when Leclerc Courts was originally occupied, it was considered a model public housing site in the country. Everybody wanted to live there. It was diverse in terms of its population. It was very diverse. Um, so I don't think that there's anything wrong with what was built. I think it was built for its time and it served its purpose. I think that over time, it probably got neglected. And um, I mean, I can't speak to the maintenance of what it was because I wasn't involved in it at all until, you know, two and a half years ago, three years ago, um, when it would already, had already been torn down. But, you know, based on the history we've all read or experienced, um, you know, there, there were some less than positive things at the end. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of the current community remembers. But the many folks who lived there and, and families who grew up there and raised kids there have extremely fond memories of, of Leclerc Courts. And we want to be able to create that kind of diverse environment where people can barbecue together, grill out on the back, you know, in the open area, go to school together, work together, play together, and be a community. And, and that's what I think Leclerc Courts was in its heyday. And that's what we would like to help recreate today. 
I thought that was an interesting conversation. Uh, we talked a lot about the upcoming redevelopment, which is going to be breaking ground in the very near future. Um, the residential units will be breaking ground in the spring of 2023, um, and the commercial developments will be breaking ground a little bit before that, the health center and the grocer. Um, what were some of the main takeaways from the interview for you, Jose? Um, you know, it was um, nice to get a lot of clarity, you know, from the developer directly about how much community input and, and, and considerations were taken, you know, like these uh, public housing to private development transitions um, can be pretty rough in Chicago's history. I know that one of my professors, um, you know, that was pretty, um, had a big influence on me in um, urban planning when I was studying that, um, got their start with the Cabrini Green housing. And, um, you know, that uh, was uh, an unfortunate project that we saw. Um, kind of the housing project was a uh, destined to fail because of the way it was handled. And it led to a lot of luxury development speculation. That has not been the case here. And, um, you know, that is kind of nice to see there. There's going to be a lot more um, amenities geared towards uh, maintaining the community that has been here, displaced here. And could be um, coming back. Yeah, it, I think it's interesting and it's important to understand the history of um, public housing in Chicago. Um, and we actually did a, a tour earlier this year with the Chicago historian Dilla, and he talked a little bit about um, Leclerc Courts. And I want to just play a clip from that tour so we can understand a little bit better the history of, uh, of, of the area. You know, think of your house now, what kind of bathroom do you have if you don't replace it every 10, 15 years? No bathroom will be replaced in the Leclerc course and in its entirety of being built, right? So if your sink broke, we would come fix your sink. But there was no, you got pipes in there from the 50s, it's 1985, let's just gut every, none of that. In the natural course of your house, you're gonna change out your bathroom and kitchen, right? Technology is going to occur, your sub pup, your whatever. Things are going to occur to make you change and update your housing space. And that's what keeps it standing. Uh, these places were constructed of brick. I got a brick bungalow. You got some problems if you don't tuck point. Little to no tuck pointing occurred in any of the housing projects across the city. But then I also think about warmth of environment. You know, a lot of times concrete floors for spaces like this. Um, my wife thinks that I'm a puppy or something. I love sleeping on the floor, right? We've got a wood floor, put a blanket there, a pillow. Sometimes I like play. That's my cheat with the kids. I just crawl in their room and sleep on the floor and they think I'm playing with them. They jumping all off me and on me. I'm sneaking a nappy in. I don't think you how is that on a concrete floor though, right? You know, I really appreciated um, that, that he, Dilla knows so much, like the nuances, um, but um, of what Cha was dealing with in terms of, you know, the, the housing stock and, you know, how, what it went to maintaining it and how you see that um, there was imposed harsh conditions in some aspects um, with the longevity that the units went without service and even then not being built to optimal standards in some cases, you know, that was definitely the case uh, with Cabrini Green and, um, 
you know, I know that Lathrop Homes was a redevelopment um, that uh, got started, you know, as public housing because of its proximity to the river being a detriment. And as plans for the river changed, that real estate became much more valuable. Um, you know, uh, so that's that been the place with the Clare Courts. You know, like I, I really appreciate how the tour highlighted that its proximity to Midway Airport was always kind of um, a factor that went into uh, the community there. Um, you know, I, I I definitely enjoyed that day, and I think that we um, need to do more of those. Yeah, for sure. Um... So I think, you know, it all ties together. One of the things that um, that Mark said during the interview that really stuck out to me was he said that the project, the redevelopment project is only going to be successful if the community is on board. And um, from, from my point of view, the community is only going to be on board to the extent that the community is able to shape what the project looks like. And it seems like, you know, they've done um, outreach and they've had public hearings and uh, public meetings that we've been a part of, but we certainly encourage people to, you know, participate in those, especially if you live in the communities immediately adjacent to uh, the old Leclerc Court site, especially, especially if you used to live in the Leclerc Courts community um, and you are a right to return resident. Um, you know, this is a project that you should have you know, a, a significant voice in. So we'll be encouraging that. We'll be encouraging community feedback and community being able to, to shape the project and, um, and we'll see how things go.